Welcome back, everybody, to another podcast episode of 2216. We're here today again, back with Dave and Greg and Jake, where we're going to talk about the the problems we have in small rural fire departments and and stuff like that. And today we're going to talk about recruitment, recruitment, and recruitment. And uh, maybe we'll touch on some recruitment and a little more recruitment. So I guess I guess that's pretty much what our episode is. Um, again, you know, we have Greg here, and then we have Dave, and um, can't repeat it enough. Let's talk about recruitment. You guys ready? Yep, let's do this. All right, Hi, sounds everyone. great. All right, well, the number one problem volunteer fire departments face in today's world is what, everybody? Recruitment. So that's one of the hardest things, I think, especially in such a small towns like we have. Uh, an example would be in Andover. You know, we have only... A uh, little, a little under two thousand people in both the town and the village. So uh, it's not like we have many people knocking on our door to join. So we work with a very small active list and an even smaller active active list. And uh, what about you, Greg? What kind of battles are you fighting out there in Allentown? Well, so you say it's funny you say two thousand people there. Well, in our town here, you know, we've got two departments still, and we're trying to run a run it with a population of around you know 900 or so um then added on top of that here we don't have the businesses we don't have the you know the work for everybody during the day so there's nobody nobody in town during the days we don't have any real avenues to be picking up any new members um you know that accompanied with this town it's historically the same families living in it you know, nothing, nothing real changing and everyone's getting, getting older and everyone's growing up and moving away. So, you know, that's a, that's a real issue. Um, now Dave, you know, he, they've got a little bit more population down there, but he's in the same boat, right, Dave? Yeah. So, um, I face the same challenges as you guys do. We do have a little bit uh, higher population. Um, but again, uh, there's no businesses or industry. I think we have one industry that would be, you know, sufficient to, uh, to provide for the, you know, the community. Um, but most of our population is traveling. Um, so it, it, we do face the same struggles. We face the same, uh, I think across the board, I think a lot of people can relate with this, you know, the population is, uh, you know, increasing in age, there isn't a whole lot of uh, younger folks staying around or keeping the community alive. So I think that we we see that as well. Yeah, and, and uh, we might get a little bit of flack for this next comment I'm going to make, but I, I'm, I'm a firm believer of um, with the generational changes. Um, not many people in the generation that's coming out now want to volunteer. You know, and, and I get it because it's a thankless job sometimes and you're not getting paid and it's really, really hard work sometimes and very, you know, physically draining and mentally draining. So, but definitely don't see it. And, you know, I know, I know we're a fire department broadcast, but I feel like it's across all boards. You know, I'm also uh, the chairman of the 4th of July committee out here in Andover for a big celebration that we do. And even just in that alone, like, again, you you're recruiting volunteers to help you. and it's just not there, you know. I think I think it's a a struggle all departments face. But the lower the population, the harder it is, definitely. Um, but there are different ways to go about recruiting. I mean, 
Um, why don't we go right off from Dave again? Why don't you tell us maybe a little wave, maybe like what you try to do for recruiting up there or down there, however you want to look at it. And yeah. So what you guys do. Yeah. Yeah. So we try to, uh, we've gone through some transitional changes with the fire company here and, uh, especially late. And, um, obviously we're trying to, to get that turnaround back in. So what we're trying to do is a uh, strong social media presence. Um, to make sure that, you know, we engage in the community. So again, we do this for the community. I, we've stated this in the past, um, you know, not to beat a dead horse, but we do, we do do this for the community. So the more we're engaged in the community and the more that they see what we're doing, the more chance we have to get the word out and, you know, say, Hey, we're looking for people. So it's a great tool for us to use to, to start bringing people back around. Um, and I, I'm a firm believer that actions speak louder than words, right? So the more that we can show the community, the more that we can show people what we're capable of and that we have good leadership in place and things are, are moving in a forward direction for all fire companies. It doesn't matter if it's this one or any fire company. They want to be able to see that there's a good leadership aspect in place. So they come and they feel comfortable when they try to join. Um, and, and again, it's a family atmosphere. So you try to make sure that, that you know, those people like, uh, you know, obviously all of us, we have kids. Um, we want to make sure that, you know, we have the ability to know that, Hey, it's a volunteer, you know, fire company, but we still have responsibilities outside of that. So as long as the companies are willing to work with that, I think you start to see a lot more of the retention or the, sorry, the uh, recruitment aspect where it's not like a cut and dry. You need to have this class and this class and this class and this class, you know what I mean? Before you start. So, um, part of that is to try to get the community engagement and start getting new folks through the door. They see what the job is. They have the good leadership aspect and you just continue forward with that. Yeah. You know, what's hard you look at it, you know, you get them in the door, that's one thing. But then amongst, you know, the regulations that are being enforced, whether it's federally, state, whatever you're looking at, it takes so much to be able to actually become certified to do this stuff. And then so much continual training beyond that. And, you know, you're, you're looking at guys and girls that are, they're working full-time jobs to try to support a family, you know, and, and, and unfortunately this day and age, a 40 hour a week job doesn't cut it. So you've got people that are working two, three jobs, people that are out there, you know, working 60, 70 hours a week. It's hard to take that extra time to, you know, put in the hundreds of hours of class time that you have to do. And then the continual stuff at the station, along with, you know, meetings and all your trainings there and then actually responding to the alarms. That's a lot of time away from your family. Yep. Yeah, it's definitely a second job. I mean, you know, and that, and that it is, it is, it's definitely a, um, uh, definitely a, uh, a commitment that you make, you know, like, like I said, when it comes to training, I mean, so, so the original department that I came from, so, you know, I grew up in a, in a, in a city setting, a large suburb, um, the first fire department I was ever in, you know, I joined, I, I grew up with it with my father. My father's been a member there for over 45 years now. And uh, to put that in perspective, so that department only covered four square miles. That was it, four square miles. But within that four square miles, the population was around 24,000 people. And, you know, they they ran, um, oh, I can't remember now, but it was well over twelve to 1,400 calls a year. So there was a pretty big demand. Now, they did do EMS. They did not transport. They had, back then it was Real Metro, which I believe it's AMR. I think there's another one now besides AMI. I can't remember. Twin City. Twin City thank you. Yeah. But, um, you know, one of the requirements when I joined that department is within your first year, in order to come off your probation status, you had to have your EMTB and you had to have your Firefighter 1 complete. Um, I know there's, you know, in New York, Firefighter 1's no more, but back then, showing my age a little bit here, 
um, you know, that was a requirement. Well, that was a lot. You know, I was going to school, I was working full time, and I was going to my firefighter one class at the the training tower. You know, every other day. You know, it was a lot. You know, and, and that's that's the hard part is uh, you know completing those. I do like how in our area they split up the firefighter one where they do the BFO and the IFO. I think it does make it a little bit a little bit nicer because I know it's still a lot of hours, but you know you could take your time a little bit with it. I mean, what do you think, Greg, on that? Uh so I was fortunate recently. They held the IFO class, and um, you know a few guys from my department were out there to help with the writ assignments for the class. Uh, the one thing I will say about it, the BFO class, I can't really speak to because I didn't get to witness a whole lot of that. But the IFO class, there has been so many changes to it. Um, it, it it's much further advanced than what even when I took Firefighter 1, you know, several years ago. The IFO class now, there's a lot more that entails into it. And, uh, and, and you're right, you know, now instead of having that one solid class for however many hours it was, now you're breaking it, breaking it down so that you can do it in two different sections, you know, and that may not be easy completely, but you know, it, it does help. Um, but I will say that the instructors nowadays, they're, they're much more aggressive. Um, everything, everything's changed, which we know the fire world's evolved. Structures have changed. Combustibles have changed everything. It's a much more dangerous atmosphere than what, they were used to, you know, even even twenty years ago. So you're right, having them change it up and 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 go with the blended learning like they are, I think it's been a benefit. Uh, the interesting part with me, and I, I can't really speak for it yet, but I I can't wait to see what quality we get out of it, and you know how the how the students come out if they come out at the highly trained level that we want to see, and then. Aside from that, having the home departments actually continue on that, because that's the biggest problem is, you know, you'll have these members go through all this class and they'll get certified and then they'll go back to their home departments and their home departments will say, okay, good, you're good to go, go inside, fight fire. Well, that's all fine and dandy, but if you don't do the continual training and keep working, then, you know, where are you at? So I'm going to touch on a real quick, Greg, not, not uh, you know, I know Dave wants to get on this conversation too, but... Well, that's something that kind of drives me crazy. What you just said there was, uh, I think my biggest pet peeve and I'm not mocking anybody who's good at class or training, but I do see that a lot in, our, in, in all departments, but mostly in the small departments where they're limited on people is some people will take a class and then they'll automatically be placed, um, because they took that class. So like when it comes to interior firefighting, you know, I'm a firm believer. That's great that you took the class, but when you're doing your, your evolutions inside the training tower, it does a great job, I think, like, you know, kind of kind of showing what it's like. But it's a whole different animal when you're in the real thing. I really, I, that's how I feel, at least. You know, you got all the loud noises, the banging, the popping, the fires popping all over the place. You can't see anything. You're hot. You're sticky. You're running into stuff because you have no idea. You know, you're crawling around as best as you could. You're making an advance. You're trying to find that fire, trying to find something in the house. You know, and and you're worried about legitimate water supply issues because that is an issue. I'm sure we'll touch on that in one of our podcasts. There's so much more worries that, like, you could be an all-star when it comes to the IFO, but when it actually comes to the real thing, I still think the department needs to do some internal training and some internal clearances before they let somebody just go freely, 
You know what I mean? Like there's still more that comes along and continuation of training before you just let somebody to go in. Um, you know, especially if you take two inexperienced people, cause it's always two in, two out and let them two go at it. Like that's a, that's my biggest pet peeve. That's something I'll never, ever let happen as, as long as, as long as I'm breathing and active in my department, I will never let that happen. Yeah. And that's something that we're working on. So from a recruitment standpoint, um, that's something we, we do right off the top of the, you know, right off the top of the bat. Uh, my previous department, um, we, uh, we had a probationary packet for our new members coming in. So it was, it was along with the state level, uh, trainings that they were required to receive. We had to do internal training or internal requirements, such as stretching a 300 foot line, putting a, you know, uh, gated Y in the end and then stretching the leader line for the leader line, stretching inch and three quarter off the leader line and advancing it, um, throwing ladders, uh, cribbing cars, DC and batteries, all that kind of stuff. So we made sure the chief officers marked off the, uh, you know, the firefighters at that point that they were again, coming out of class after they completed their classes, that they were still good on their skills and their skills were practically, you know, applied practically either on fire scenes or internal trainings. Yeah. So like, well, as a new member coming in, that's what, that's what you faced. Right. Yeah. And the training that, that the training is only a small portion of it. I mean, let's, let's look at another thing. You know, we're all from small departments. We all have what I will consider to be, you know, not a very large budget that's hard to operate on. Well, so now you add in not only the requirements to do the training times, but let's look at all the times we need to be there for meetings. Let's look at all the times that we have to work on fundraising. You know, how many ticket sales are you doing? How many events are you asking your members to be away from their families for for more? You know, we're doing food drives, you know, chicken barbecues, spaghetti dinners, ham and turkey parties, whatever. There, there's a lot of effort that goes into that as well. Yeah. It's funny because, like, my whole household is very much involved in the fire department. So that way, you know, I mean, so my wife is the president of the ladies auxiliary. I'm one of the officers. Uh, you know, my, my daughter is definitely going to be a junior fireman as soon as she's old enough to be. And it's, yeah, because you, you do you do invest so much time in there. And, you, you know, it's it, it, in small towns like this. And like, you, uh, I think it was. uh I think it was you who said it, Greg, you know, your, your families grow up into the fire department and then generations join and continue on and, and so on and so forth. And sometimes that's a good thing, but sometimes it does become a problem, but that all depends on the situation that you're in at the time. But yeah, recruitment, like, like, you know, I know we're, we're, we're leading off a little bit in the training, but like recruitment is, um, such an important thing, but it's such a hard thing. You know, it's a hard sell sometimes because who wants to work for free that many hours all the time? You know, you got to have a passion and a love for it, you know? Yeah. It's, it a, it's a lost art. Right. And we don't have any avenues to say, hey, look what you get out of it. We we don't have that. We can't go up and say, look at all these benefits. You know, we know yeah. once you're into it, we know what it's like. We, we, we do get, we do get paid, you know, and actually Scott, like one of their logos say pride is their pay. And, you know, that's a lot of it, but yeah. it's hard to explain that to, you know, somebody that doesn't know, somebody that's not part of it or somebody that wasn't raised in it. It's hard to yeah. get that new blood. Well, that's just it. A lot of the families, you know, um, and Jake, going back to, I, I don't think we're going to catch flack on the generational gap because it's a common occurrence across the board. You know, I we're all, you know, in our thirties or early forties and we're, we're looking at this aspect and saying, 
we can't get people, but it's our, you know, our age generation, generation age, uh, that we can't get. And then anything younger also like in the twenties, you know, we're, we're really lacking on, on folks coming in. And a part of it is, yes, it's, there's nothing to show for it other than the pride that you're doing the job correctly and you're doing the job to benefit the community. Right. So there's that passion to it. But outside of that, I mean, you're spending, days running calls you're spending days doing fundraisers meetings all of that you know you're looking at three days a week at least at the fire station just as an active member if you're not a chief officer chief officers you're spending close to five days a week if not seven depending on you know what you've got going on and what what fundraisers you have coming up what you're planning for yeah yeah but it's nice but you know one of the things i do like i try to do like in our department is when we're out in the community, like whether we're washing Main Street before the 4th of July event or we're training on, you know, we uh, we just took delivery of a new pumper. So when we were training on the delivery, all right, let me rephrase that. We took training on a new to us pumper. So when we're out training on it and doing stuff like that, um, you know, some kids do come out and check it out. And, you know, I usually go over there and start talking with them, trying to generate some interest in them and tell them, you know, hey, we have a juniors program. You know, you come down and practice, you can come to some calls, depending on what the calls are, you know, try to get them involved because I want them to see it. I want them to experience it, get their hands dirty, see if they like it. And hopefully, you know, when they join the junior program and they complete, you know, the junior program and and they're done with school and they want to switch, they can then, you know, change their membership from a junior to a senior. And then hopefully we can retain them and then get them some more training like, you know, BFO and IFO and and maybe even more, maybe they want to do the hazmat stuff. Maybe they want to do the officer training, you know, and that's, that's like, that's what we try to do in our department for recruitment is, you know, whenever time we see somebody interested, we go over and we talk to them. We don't just blow them off. We don't just ignore them. We, we, we welcome them with open doors and say, Hey, come on in, check this out. See if it's something you're interested in. And I feel like that's what we got to do. Yeah. Well, yeah. one of the fortunate things for like you, Jake you have that school, so you actually do have the ability to to work into that. Whereas, you know, we don't have a school here. And I'm not, Dave. Do you do you have one down there? I actually don't know. I don't have anything close. Um, probably about an hour ish away, forty five minutes to an hour away. Okay. Okay. So yeah. So see, there's your thing. Is that uh, you know we some some departments don't have the avenue to be able to even work into a juniors program like that like us we've allentown's oh, never my had apologies, a Greg, if that's what you're talking about from us from a high school perspective yes we have one in our district um oh, okay. and do we you, do okay. actively yeah and we do actively recruit um that way as well okay see i wasn't sure how it worked down there but but yeah that's uh that's a huge benefit and you know departments being able to get into these schools and you know doing different things i know they do uh some some do different things you know fire safety and and, and things yeah, like do, that, I know, but we do a really big fire prevention program that we actually go into the schools and show the young kids, you know, what it looks like when we're fully dressed so they not shouldn't be scared and teach them stop, drop and roll. And I give them a bunch of free merch and they all seem to be happy. Yeah. 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 But that's a great thing. And that's how it starts. You know, I, I wish I had something like that in my town. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It is a benefit. That is that is for sure. Yeah. And I mean, that kind of helps, you know, we're, we're kind of leading into it, but then when we get into training, you know, yeah. recruiting, training, retaining, like to me, that's all really important steps that we've, you know, the pain that we face, but like training, I mean, training is another whole animal for us in, in our County. And, 
what I mean by that is, is uh, I think the county does a really nice job trying to find classes and put classes in. But, you know, the county that me and Greg are in are, is a pretty large county. And, you know, unfortunately, they want to spread the classes out between the departments, which is fine. But, you know, so I live on, on you know, the very, um, very uh, eastern, right? Would you say I'm on the eastern side of the county? Yes. If they have something, you know all the way on the other side of the county, it takes an hour to drive there just to go to class. So let's say the class is at seven o'clock. You know, you leave your house at six, you get to your class at seven, seven to nine, and then you don't get home or into the door till 10, 1030. Then you eat your dinner and go right to bed, you know, and, and training, but training is so important. Yeah. It well, is. see, we've been running into that problem as well. And we touched on training quite a bit in our last episode, but like I have members in my department, the, they work, you know, they don't get off of work until 5, 5.30, but they work almost an hour away. So they're not getting home until 6, 6.30. Well, there's no way that they could possibly get to a class two or three nights a week. Yeah, that's yeah, so true. So when it comes to recruiting and retaining, you know, one of the other things that is important, I guess, since we're all officers, is what do you do when you have a situation um, maybe you have a younger, um, a younger member or something of nature, um, of that nature, even an older member that might have done something that wasn't correct or something that deserves some type of discipline. Like it's such, how do how do you approach that, that, uh, that subject with that member without discouraging that member or, or pushing them away when in reality you still have to have a conversation with them? You know, it's a slippery, slippery slope you do, but I mean, what do you think, Greg? Like, what do you, what do you, what is your, you know, what do you usually do when you approach that situation? How do you approach it? So here's the hard part, especially with us. You know, we, we talk about how our fire departments become family and how we're small and tight knit and everything. Discipline is such a hard avenue, you know, and I say that because, yes, you might have a young member that's, and it may not even be a young member, it might be an older member that steps out of line or or does something that would be conceived, you know, against policy or protocols or, or whatever. Um, but the problem is, is once you go and approach the subject on that or the person on that, your member, um, you know, they, they'll get upset. Once they get upset, then their other family members get upset who may or may not be officers, may or may not be, you know, longtime members. And that creates a problem because if you have that disagreement with one member, well, all of a sudden you're tangled with the entire family. So figuring out how to level that off and take care of it the right way, because let's face it, we all need guidance. We all make mistakes. We all do things that, you know, we shouldn't have in the future and we all need discipline. Um, I'm not saying that, you know, we need to be, for lack of a better term, straight up assholes with them. You know, I'm sorry to say it that way, but we do need to be strict. We do need to make them understand that we have these policies, we have these procedures, these how we operate for a reason. You know, we've got to keep ourselves safe. We got to keep our members safe. We got to keep the public safe. We got to make, when we're in the public eye, we have to make sure that we're holding that standard high. Now, what about you, Dave? How do you approach it? Yeah, so everybody, I look at it from this perspective. Everybody has room for growth. Um, 
there there are instances where discipline disciplinary action is necessary. Um, I, as Greg said, I've been involved. <laughs> I've been involved in that in my past, and and you know, learn from it. Um, you got to look at it from two different perspectives. One, um, as an officer, if you're assigning disciplinary action to somebody, it better be for a just cause. Um, so when you look at it and you say, hey, we're going to, you know, this is what an incident that occurred. We're going to do it. Have that discussion with them, you know, person to person. Obviously, I, I don't know how you guys work, your departments work, but we have an administrative staff that we have a like an executive meeting with the administrative staff and uh, discuss, you know, disciplinary action with our members, bring the member in and explain them to them what, you know, the issue that occurred and how it worked and what the result of the, the action is. Um, that kind of gives them a little time to ask questions. They can, you know, uh, you know, if it's something they don't agree with, they can, you know, challenge it and, you know, uh, have their say. So it's not like we're just, you're not going up to him. Like Greg said, being an asshole and saying, Hey, you're done. This is what we're going to do. You're taking a 30 day on the street suspension. You want to be able to have that conversation with them. Uh, that does deflect a lot too, to, you know, if there are other either friend, uh, family members or, um, even beyond that, um, friends, you know, uh, we're a tight knit group. If you, you take somebody and you discipline one of the younger guys, a few of the other younger guys are going to say, you know, I don't want to be involved in this. Um, so you have to kind of not say tread lightly, but you have to be able to be personable and say, Hey, listen, it was a mistake. This is the disciplinary action for the mistake. Let's not do it again. This is the consequences that could happen if we do the mistake again, you know, it could cost somebody their life. It's a serious business. So we just need to stay on top of it. But having that, uh, face to face with those individuals, um, and, and allowing them to say their piece, I think really does help. Yeah. I kind of, I wish like, our, our, like uh, I'm sure Greg's the same, but I'm sure you are too, Dave, but I wish like our membership, you know, was up more because I would love to have like a, uh, you know, a, a committee that, that was their whole job or roles. They would make a recommendation to, you know, the officers of what they should do for discipline when there's a problem. Um, but, you know, being a small department with, you know, not as money members you know you got multiple members wearing multiple hats and that that does make it difficult and like and just like you two guys said you know that's kind of the way we the way at least i approach it is you know i want to sit down with the member let's have a conversation and then you know do what we have to do so that way and to me there's two things come out of it one hopefully that that said member understands and realizes you know what was done wrong and is directed is you know corrected for the future and it does set a little bit of precedent for anybody else who might make the same mistake in the future to know that you know your actions will not go unnoticed but at the same time let's go and this is going to come right back to the recruitment is and retaining is it's a fine line because you don't want to push anybody away because I mean, quite frankly, we can't afford to have less members. I mean, that's, that's the hardest thing is, is we don't want less members. We want more members. Well, and, and I think something that ties into that too is, um, and I know, I don't know if you guys see it. I've dealt with it in the past is the, the politics. Um, that's a big one for newer members coming in. If they see a department that's, you know, I'm going to say politically divided, but you know, there's a lot of politics involved in the fire company. It, it, it does discourage a lot of people. Um, it, it tends to, to push them away because they know that, you know, what are we really signing up for? What are we really doing the job for? You know, that is so true. I mean, and it, it, it's not just the fire department, you know, just in general, like 
here's here's a here's a wonderful example. So my wife and I are very lucky, and and we own our own business, but we work together. We get to spend every day, all day together. It's wonderful, but. You know, if if we're having some tension or there's a you know, there's a disagreement between her and I, the customers can feel that and can sense that. They can feel the tension and they don't want to be part of it. And actually, that's the number one cause of losing businesses and a lot of family-owned businesses. It's the same thing in a fire department. If you have a new recruit that you're bringing in or somebody who's only been around for, you know, half a year or eight months or something like that, and they're noticing that this group or this clique, because let's get real, most of our small fire departments have cliques. This click hates that click, and they're always fighting. Why would they want to subject themselves to that? They can go do something better and enjoy what they're doing and with less drama. Yes, exactly. And I, and I think that's the biggest thing is um, the uni- the uniformity, uh, working together, both you know any aspect of the organization, whether it be the auxiliary, the administrative, the operations, uh, the fire police, any of it all need to work together. It needs to be uniform across the board. And I think that's a big factor in the retention and the recruiting. If they can see a solid leadership aspect from the administrative to the operational to, I mean, every aspect of that fire company, I think it's a really good gig for them to come into and say, Hey, let's, you know, let's sign up because look, they're, they got everything straight, you know, across the board. And it's not necessarily something that has to happen you know, immediately, but that should be the goal that everybody's working towards for that recruitment process. I mean, that's a huge factor and a huge factor. I think it's probably one of the top factors more so than training is as long as the atmosphere is good, I think you're going to start, you see more people join and and, and want to run calls. Yeah. You know, I'm going to, okay, guys, I'm going to, I kind of want to go off our track a little bit. You guys mind if I hijack this a little bit? As I'm sitting here thinking, okay, so we're talking about all this um, recruitment, getting members in and all that. Well, to tell you the truth, here, here's the thing. I'm not okay. And when I say that I'm not okay, there's been a lot of things that have happened over these last few weeks. Um, as everybody noticed, we have been kind of inactive on the podcast, and there's reasons for that. Um there's been a lot of bad calls. There's been a lot of losses. There's a lot of our friends, a lot of our families that are really, really struggling right at the moment. We're struggling ourselves. I've been through some of the hardest moments I've been through in a long time over these last few weeks. And I'm not saying that, you know, my mental health's in any crisis or anything like that. Um, but I'm saying that I'm not okay with, I'm not okay with my community hurting. I'm not okay with my friends hurting. I'm not okay with all these other departments hurting. And I I don't know how to go about making that better, if that makes sense. And I know I'm getting off offline here, but these are things that I've been thinking about lately. And I don't know, I might be ruining the podcast with this, but it's something that I need to say and I need to say it now. Greg, Um, I don't think you're ruining the podcast at all. To be honest with you, that hits really, really on top of the recruiting end of things. And what I mean by that is, is in our small little departments, like I said, we wear a lot of hats. And Greg wears a lot of hats in his department. And, you know, because of that, he can't, you know, like for us, not I shouldn't say he can't, like all of us, we can't always... Um, Oh, what's the word? Come on, just lost the word. I can't always delegate. It's harder for us to delegate. So if we're having a hard time, 
and we need to step back for a few minutes to take a breath because like we talked about in the very first episode about mental health, it's not possible sometimes because we're so, we're so ingrained with our community and we're so wrapped up in what we do because the whole reason why we're firemen is because we want to save people. We want to help people. We want to take people's burden off their own shoulders and put it on ourselves and then lead the way. That's why we're in leadership roles. That's why we do what we do. But sometimes it would be nice if we had a larger membership that when one of us is hurting or one of us is down, besides going and seeking out friends who are always going to be there to help you, but to delegate so you can take a step back and take a breath because sometimes that's what you have to do. And I think that's the hardest part. That is probably one of the things we don't like to talk about because, you know, we all have pride in what we do. We're all very strong individuals mentally and physically. So sometimes it's hard for us to say that. And that's where I wish our recruiting, like I said, we had more numbers. So that way, if we needed a break, we could take a break. But we can't because we can't let the community down. It's so important. But Greg, yeah, absolutely, man. That I don't think you're hijacking it at all. But that's something that's so important to us, especially with, you know, numbers and, and retaining people. Because when people get to that point, like you are, you might be right now, that's when some people walk away. And that's when you lose members. And it's important to recognize that and fix it. Yeah. And that's exactly it. You know, we've, and you guys know, we've, we've talked about it. And of course you're my guys, you're who I talk to, uh, you guys talk to me and, and I'm super comfortable with you. And, and I love that, but you know, you obviously know the situations we've been through. Um, We had a fatal accident recently. That was, that was really bad. Uh, It hit real close to home for some of us. We've got, a good friend of all of ours who's currently dealing with some major family issues. And, you know, I've, I've been pretty heavily involved with that and it's affected me personally. Um, but the thing is, is like you say, Jake, we, we can't stop. We don't have, we don't have that extra to be able to take a step back and take a breather. I mean, obviously looking out for yourself is top priority by any means, but you know, as an officer, I'm looking out for my members you know, they're the ones that matter to me. They need to go home. I need to know that they're okay. And if they're struggling, I'm struggling. You know, I know you guys can feel that. Yep. And and Greg, just to elaborate a little bit further on this, this is why we did this podcast. Uh, The the reality of it is, is just because we're going through these situations now, uh, doesn't mean somebody else isn't going through these situations or has gone through these situations in the past. Um, we, we, We all talked about this and this is why we decided to do this podcast is because you know, if we can't talk about it, it's not getting out there. You know, the raw, the raw part of what we do, this is why we decided to do this. Well, you so more than anybody decided to do this, but you know, we, we look at this and say, if we can't talk about it, we're not doing any good to anybody else. So yeah. And, and you know, it, it does hit close to home. I mean, obviously the three of us are affected by some of the events, most of the events that occurred, um, you know, and, and we're all, I think internally, all of us are suffering a little bit with it. I mean, you guys are obviously closer than I am to the situation, but um, you know, we're all involved directly. So, you know, yes, it is a mental health aspect, but we also have, again, responsibilities that we have to take care of. And sometimes if you sit that brick wall where you're like, is it really worth, you know, continuing on to, to, to be the chief or be an officer or be a firefighter. And then Jake's right. That's where you lose people. Now we, obviously we do it. Um, we know we just shoulder it and, and move on, but you know, people that come into this that have no experience, have never been in the fire service before and have no direct 
you know, relation to the fire service whatsoever don't know that they don't know how to process it. And that is a really big, you know, uh, turn off to new members coming in. Yeah. And what a lot of people don't, don't know behind the scenes of the podcast is, you know, we're all pretty close friends. Actually, we're all very close friends and we actually have a couple more people in our group that maybe someday will be special guests on the podcast. Um, maybe not. We even have one in the group that actually has nothing to do with the fire department. Well, he's, I don't know if he has any real interest in it, but he's still in our little group. And what's really cool is, is, you know, you create a brotherhood just like in the fire department. So when, when one of us is hurting or one of us is bothering, we have that network that we can reach out to. And it's the same thing within the fire department, you know, um, but it's one good thing that we have for the, you know, the people that we have in our department. And we hope that new recruits will see that is, you know, when you are hurting or, or being bothered by something or, or anything like that, you always got somebody to go fall back to and talk to, which is always great. So. Yeah. And I mean, that's also why we need more members. You know, we need to be able to, as much as I hate to say it, we need to be able to spread that pain around. You know, there's only yeah. so much that one person can take, especially Absolutely. it always comes back to it. The small communities, you know, yep. somebody, you, somebody knows somebody else. It, it all comes down to, you know, somebody involved with the situation and that, and that makes everything so much tougher. Oh yeah. Oh, yep. It, it's, it never fails. It's always somebody, you know, somebody you're related to, um, somebody you've known since high school or went to high school with, or, you know, it's, it's, it's just the nature of the small communities, the rural communities. And it, it does, it takes a toll. And that's another reason. I mean, looking at it, um, if I wasn't directly, you know, fourth generation in the fire service, I'm not entirely sure that, you know, I would have been interested in doing it just by the fact I knew everybody, you know, and yeah, yeah. It, it really, it is tough. I actually, I, I've asked, I've asked myself that before. If I didn't grow up around the fire department, you know, with my dad, I remember my dad was chief when I was a kid, you know, obviously there's rules now, but we're going back to the early nineties here, but you know, I would ride with my dad and the chief's truck to go to calls. So like I got bit by the fire bug very, very young and I fell in love with it and I still love it to the day. You know, I breathe it and I eat it. I love it. But if it wasn't for that, would I have wanted to walk through those doors? You know, when I, when I turned 18 or when I, you know, the junior program at 14, would I've, would I've done it if I didn't grow up with it? So I'm trying to break that habit with other people and trying to get them in, you know, nothing, nothing's more special than getting a first generation member to join because they're not doing it because their uncle or their father or their mother or their brother did it. They're doing it because they want to do it. And that's pretty cool. It's pretty special to see somebody be that selfless and want to do that, you know? Yeah, exactly. I, I, and I think about that often too, like what I've been interested in, in trying to do it. Um, and, and honestly, I don't know the answer. It, it takes a special person to come into this. that not directly affected by the fire service or grew up in it to, to say, I want to do this. And you know, it's, it's awesome to see, and it's awesome to see them continue their career also. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and the hard thing is, you know, how, how, how do you get it there? How do we, you know, I, I say here and say that, yes, I've been, I've been involved with the fire service since the day I was born, you know, just like you guys, I, I was in it. Um, how do we sit here and say, Hey, I'm having a bad time with this, with the situations going on. You know, we, we've worked 20 plus years into it. But yet we're trying to tell somebody who's never been involved saying, hey, come do this with us. You know, how do you do that? Well, the reality of it is it's a human. It's a human factor. <laughs> and yep. We're all human. Yeah, that's, yep. that's, that's, it. that's the reality of it. If you don't have any feelings at all, then you shouldn't be in the service. <laughs> Correct. Correct. 
Well, and I know, like, we've we've discussed PTSD slightly. We're obviously going to come back to that in later episodes more, but I, I'm, I think that any member that's been in an organization, whether it be fire, police, EMS, dispatchers, corrections, you know, even I'll go as far to say doctors, nurses, everything. Um, I'll, I'll say that I believe that we all have a certain amount of PTSD. You know, I'm not saying that as a bad thing and I'm not saying that as a debilitating thing, but I'm saying that we've all seen things that we can never unsee. You know, everybody's been through their their own instance, and it may not be that heavy trauma that causes it. It may be a simple, you know, older lady that fell on the floor for a couple days or something. You don't know what call's going to hit you like that. And that's something that we've got to try to work, especially with newer members, you know, ones that aren't familiar and comfortable with it. We've got to be able to pull ourselves together to help them through and help them understand what's going on. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, that's... um, that's kind of the thing. That's, you know, that's where I'm at right now. And and I'll be honest, we could have done an episode of this last week. I just, I couldn't bring myself to do it. There was so much going on that I couldn't wrap my head around everything myself. And, you know, it, it was just, it was just too much for me. So I just said, you know, I can't do it right now. And, and unfortunately things kind of got dropped, but that's, you're right. This is why we started this to bring out these issues. Yeah, we're not doing any justice to anybody if we can't discuss this. That's the whole point of this podcast. I mean, that's what we just we've been discussing this for, I mean, years now. But, um, you know, it, this is the important stuff. This is the like the quote unquote meat and potatoes of why we're doing what we're doing, because we're not the only ones that see this. Any rural community, I can guarantee you people that are going to be listening to this say, yeah, it's exactly what's going on here, too. You know, we don't have an answer for how to fix it. But the reality of it is, is it's OK. You know, it's it's it's. This and, is where we're at. It's human and, nature. And with how Greg's feeling, that's not just rural fire departments. That's everything Anywhere. across the board. Yeah. Like, like even paid departments, you know, it's, it's, it's a real thing to feel that way. And, and it does get hard. Um, but you know, you know like, you know, it's, it's just nice when you're able to delegate more, but you know, sometimes you can't. And, and I know, I know Greg very, very well. And I know that, no matter how he's feeling, he would never let his community down and he will do everything in his power to help his community and to support his community and to serve his community. But what Greg's got, which is really going to help him is he has a heck of a backbone behind him, especially with Dave and I, you know, we'd, uh, we might not be in the same department as him, but we never leave him hanging. That's not us. And that's what every department needs. And I hope that's what some newer members would see is, is that, camaraderie and that brotherhood that does come with it because you know you got your good and your bad right and and the bad is some of the stuff we deal with the train the hard training well i i like the training but some people don't but the hard training the long hours you know what the good is you get a second family that's really what it is it's a whole nother family like these guys are my brothers if something happened to me for an example let's say so i work in the automotive field um, knock on wood hope this never happens. Let's say a car fell on me and I broke both my legs, right? I couldn't cut my grass. I can guarantee you if it wasn't one of these two, it would be one of the people that I'm close with in my department. They'd cut my grass in a heartbeat. No questions asked. And that's what well, I mean is like such a good brotherhood. Well, I wouldn't count on Dave coming to cut your grass. I've seen his that work. That is absolutely true. He would not <laughs> cut my grass. You're right. <laughs> Listen, my grass is fine. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, but anyway, so yeah, it, it, it's a real thing. The recruitment thing, like you say, Jake, is tough. And, you know, it's crazy, but we're already coming up to the end of this episode. And it seems like, you know, we just started. But I guess for me, you know, to wrap up my thoughts on it, I just want everybody to know that it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to have feelings. It's okay to ask for help. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes, it is. Never be afraid to ask for help. Even if you don't know us and, and you listen to our podcast and need help, send us an email. I'll see what I can do to help you out. Yeah, like just uh, send us a private message on the Facebook page. Anything. We we definitely are, are here for anybody in any rural community. doesn't matter where it is. We don't care if it's, yeah. you know, even in the U.S., anywhere. Um, we're, we're here to help. Uh, this is what this is why we did this. Um, and, you know, and we might we might not be right with you, right close to you, but you know what? We 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 know how to find resources that we'll be able to find resources for you, so you can get the help that you need or anything of that nature. Definitely, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's the thing. We started. Uh, you know, if, if people haven't seen it, we started a Facebook page, the Twenty Two Sixteen Podcast page. Feel free to get on there. Feel free to send us messages, leave us comments, let us know what you want to see, let us know what you want to hear. Um, you know, the recruitment aspect, that's, that's where our big focus was today. If you have any ideas or any thoughts or, you know, any questions on that, reach out to us. We'd be happy to help spread the word. You know, anything we can do, I'm, I'm not saying that I'm worried, you know, I'm, I'm obviously worried about Allentown Fire Company getting members, but I'm worried about, you know, I'm worried about Liberty Hose. I'm worried about Andor. I'm worried about Wellsville. I'm worried about Sia, Willing, everyone. It's it's a dying art, and we need to try to work together to to fix it, or you know, to, to continue it. Because the big thing is, you know, if somebody calls nine one one, somebody has to go. Somebody's got to do it. Yep. yep. Yeah, and and you know, I, I hope our, our listeners are enjoying the the episode so far, and and I know we scratched the surface on some topics and I'm, I think, I think as we get a little bit more comfortable talking into mics and, and talking like we are on the podcast, I'm hoping we get deeper in the stuff and, and definitely, definitely going to come back to the PTSD and the mental health. Um, especially once we get even more research and, and knowledge on, on ways to help people. That's, you know, we want to make sure on some of the stuff that, you know, we're knowledgeable and, and being credible at what we're speaking with, but we're hoping in the future that, you know, as the page, as as the podcast grows and stuff like that, that we can get even even more in depth with things and and more comfortable. We're we're learning. We're getting comfortable. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it's hard. It's crazy. We sit here and we've talked about a million topics, and when we actually get into it, it's hard to squeeze those topics into you know a forty five minute segment. That's that's tough. There's so much to say. We could go on for hours about this. We, we touched like one sixteenth of the recruitment aspect, you know, just in a 45 minute episode. There's so much we could talk about recruitment, retention, um, you know, any of that kind of stuff. Junior programs and trying to bring in a create an efficient junior program with recruiting. Um, yeah. There's so much. Yeah, it's funny because we, we we've been on. So we use Discord for all of us for for any of the tech savvy people out there to record on because we're in different locations. But we were literally on Discord for the last two hours before we started filming this episode, talking about what we're going to talk about. And we're 44 minutes into this episode. and We haven't even scratched on anything that we talked about that we were going to talk about. <laughs> well, it's it's so hard when you get to actually talking and our problem is and actually this was the reason that we started this podcast is, is we like to talk. 
and we talk yes. about random things. And and I'm honestly, to tell you guys the truth, I'm not sure if setting an episode saying this is what we're going to talk about. I, I don't know if that's ever actually going to work for us. No, yeah, we we're going to it. Let's talk. <laughs> yeah. No, but yeah. It's, it's all valid stuff. I mean, it does relate at the end of the day. It's just to come take a little, you know, a couple rabbit travel trails here and there to, to get their rabbit holes to get there. But, um, you know, it's all relative. So there's nothing that we're talking about that isn't relative to what these small communities are small communities face um, on a daily basis. Right. Yeah. And that's yeah. it. These are the problems. And I really hope that this podcast, my biggest goal is to get this out, not only to the fire community, but get it out to the ones that aren't necessarily involved, the ones that are on the outside that don't see behind the scenes, that don't don't understand what we're feeling, what we're thinking, the troubles we're facing. You know, that that was my whole thought process behind this. Because I want the general community to hear this and know, hey, I see what these guys and girls are going through. And, you know, hopefully they want to help. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And to, to end the podcast, because we're coming up to our time limit here, is, yep. uh, you know, feel free to hit up our Facebook page, 2216. Drop us questions. You know, if there's something like a topic or something, or like if you're in a department and you're like, hey, this is a situation, like we're thinking about doing this, what do you guys think or what would you guys suggest? We're not perfect, but we'd be more than happy to give you our opinion. And, uh, you know, even if you want to ask questions about us or you want to know more about our departments, just drop a question in there. We'll try our best to uh, to answer everything that we can, you know, as long as it's appropriate and we have the time to, to do that, but we'll make time. And, uh, again, you know, we really appreciate everybody listening. Um, and, uh, you know, we hope we see everybody on the next episode. And we'll, we'll probably come up with a title for the next episode, but we'll probably end up not talking about it because that's fine. That's the whole point of this is to talk about, you know, what's on our minds and what's going on currently with our fire services. That's always important. Yeah. Yeah. And, yep. and also, we want to start involving some, out, I'll, I'll, call it, I'll call it outsiders, um, <laughs> but I want to, we want to start involving some of you guys so send us a message if you want to be on the show we would love to hear your story we would love to hear about your department so send us a message and we'll be sure that we get in contact with you and get it worked out and we'll get you on the show absolutely so but all right all right, all right with that being said i guess uh we're gonna call it a, a night and uh hopefully we'll be talking with everybody again here next week so thanks again guys Yep, thanks, everybody. Bye.